Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When it comes to the public service, how do women fare compared to men in Canada, especially in higher-ranking positions? Is there headway being made when it comes to breaking the glass ceiling? New analysis out of BC shows that there's still a way to go. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. Lori Culbert and Nathan Griffiths from the Vancouver Sun join me to discuss their detailed analysis of 125,000 public servant salaries, how women stack up against men, especially in senior positions, and what some feel the solution needs to be. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Nathan and Lori, the Vancouver Sun just launched a new version of its public sector salaries database. This is a list of public sector workers in British Columbia who are making, what is it, over $75,000. Um, I'm just wondering, can you walk me through the process and and the motivation behind compiling this this data, this database? One of the things is, well, the, the law requires governments, uh, federal agent, not federal, sorry, provincial agencies to publish salary data for staff earning over $75,000 a year, um, but they don't compile it in any central location. And uh, honestly, the vast majority of them just publish them as PDFs on, on their websites. Some provinces uh, like Ontario, for example, publish the same information, but it's it's done in a searchable database format it's put online you can you can access the data more readily so the big draw here is is effectively making the information accessible to the public because it's over 100 different agencies are in our database so if someone wanted to look up a particular person or some particular earnings by position you can't really do that if it's all in pdf format as far as the process goes, I mean, I basically have to go that the information is generally published on websites, as I said, in PDF format. So I have to go around and download all those PDFs. I convert the PDFs into machine-readable format, like a CSV file, uh, that I can then put into a spreadsheet. Some organizations, like BC Hydro, for instance, requires you to file a Freedom of Information request to get that information. I'm not really sure why they require that, but certainly BC Hydro and Works APC both request them, uh, and the police police departments are also exempt from publishing that. I'm not sure if they're exempt from the law, but they certainly don't publish it openly. So you have to file uh, freedom of information requests with the 
with the police departments to get the, that as well. And so you're you're getting reams and reams of data relating to salaries. What is it when you're compiling, you know, a database when you're we're putting everything into a spreadsheet? What are you looking for? Are you looking for trends in terms of, you know, how how big the the big salary makers are earning? Are you looking at demographics? What are you looking at as you're putting all this together? The actual information that's available is pretty limited. The law only requires that they publish the name their uh, remuneration, and their expenses. Some places publish uh, positions, job titles uh, as well, but not all of them. It really depends on the organization. So at the most basic level, what we can really do is just look for, we can do some sorting and filtering and look for outliers, who's earning the most. You know, we can compare within agencies, like look at look at health agencies or health authorities and see, okay, well, which, or is there much of a difference between the top, the top paid people in, uh, the different health authorities. And, and for instance, one of the findings we had this year was so the Provincial Health Services Agency, which is BC's provincial agency, it oversees BC Cancer, Children's Hospital, provincial research into cancer and things like that. They really, they have really dominated the um, the top paid, both both the top paid health professionals, but also the top 100. So we'll typically do like gather up the top 100 paid public sector employees and we'll do a bit of a deeper dig into those. We'll make sure we get all their titles, their positions, et cetera, et cetera. One of the other things that we started doing with the last one was trying to collect some gender information. So we use this, uh, an API. It basically allows you to feed in a first name. And based on the first name, it can, it can guesstimate what the uh, gender of the person is. And it, it returns a sort of a confidence score. You know, we're, we're 80% confidence that this name is, is a man. So... Uh, that's the one that really lends itself to the most interesting analysis and the most interesting stories. So that's a little like a bit of a value add that we've um, uh, add to the database. And and I suppose that like the big question out of all of these, because for the average reader, the average listener, sometimes they may not see the value in, in spending the time going through these numbers, the, you know, 125,000 listings. What for you... Nathan, and then I'll pose the same question to you, Lori. What for you is the value in going through this information? What do you What do you feel is important for the public to know about this information? I mean, honestly, for me, it's the uh, it's the gender information that we add to it that that highlights the the gender disparity disparities in pay between the men and women. I mean, that's the one thing that we can really pull out uh, quite consistently. I think we get about two thirds of the names in the database have reliable gender data from the API. So we, that's about 95% confidence level or higher. So our ability to, to take that, take all this public sector salary information, merge some, append some gender data to it and do an analysis and look at what the pay gaps are. And as, as the stories indicate, and Lori can talk more about, you know, BC is one of the worst, has one of the worst pay gaps in the country in terms of wages. So that's something we can really add to the, to the data. And, and Lori, for you, is it, is it a sense of, of, giving the public information that, that they should have a right to have, that they should know how this public money is being spent. And on, on top of that, is it is a case of beyond transparency to provide context for these public dollars and these public agencies? Well, I think as journalists, we're always wanting to provide as much transparency as possible when it comes to you know how your tax dollars are being spent. This is the 11th year we've done the data the database, and uh, but only the second year we focused on gender. And for me, like Nathan, I think um, the most valuable thing we're providing is 
is some statistics behind the glass ceiling that women continue to keep hitting. I mean, we, you know, we talk anecdotally about women not, you know, reaching places in boardrooms and not being paid the same amount, not being given the same opportunities. And that was exacerbated during COVID when women were, were, you know, had, there was more pressure on them to stay home with kids when kids were in school, more pressure on women to stay home with elderly parents when, you know, care homes imploded during COVID. And so this data provides statistics around that. Um, you know, the public service in BC employ is, is 57% women. So it employs more women than men. But when you drill down to the top 100 wage earners, Three quarters of them are men and only 25% of them are women. It's just a massive um, disparity. And then when you pull the lens back and you look across the country, Nathan's right. According to Statistics Canada, um, BC, along with Alberta, um, have the two worst uh, gender pay gaps. In other words, uh, women in those provinces overall make less money than men and it's the worst gap in the in the country for those two provinces and not coincidentally uh, BC Alberta and also Saskatchewan are the only provinces in the country with no specific pay equity legislation so uh, Ontario and Quebec for example um, they they have they have provincial policies uh, that require uh, employers to to have uh, equitable pay between men and women and to release that information publicly. And it covers both public and private employers. In some of the other provinces, their pay equity legislation just covers public employers. But it's a good start. And it's more than what is happening in BC. And we can see the fallout from that in our data. Yeah. I, I mean, I, one thing I was curious about, like you, you kind of touched on it there, this idea that of the top 100 earners, it's as you say, like a 72-28 split between men and women. But even when you talk about maybe not the top 100 earners, we're talking about a differential when it comes to these lower paying jobs to really higher paying jobs. What is what does the data show when it comes to those numbers? Like women who, who earn between 75 and 100,000, say, and then those who are kind of in the upper echelons making $250,000. Uh, oh, it's, I mean, women are, vastly overrepresented in the lower end of the salary spectrum. The higher the salary, the lower the percentage of women you'll see in those roles. It's very clear. Like we I we had a I don't think we even ever published that that chart I made. Yeah. So it shows, Dave, that um, women represent sixty percent of the workers earning between seventy five thousand and a hundred thousand dollars per year, but just thirty seven percent of those making um, in the higher echelons of pay. And Again, it just points to the same glass ceiling that women are continuing to hit, even though it's 2022, we're, we're still whacking our heads <laughs> yeah. against that ceiling. Are there, are there areas where women may fare better? Are there, are there sectors within the public sector that, that women, you know, may make more money, may be more represented in the, in the higher, higher salary areas? Um, yeah, they're certainly in healthcare. Don't you think Nathan, that healthcare is one of those areas where, um, just right down the line in that sector, women uh, fare fairly well, um, you know, but there are other sectors where women are not near the top positions or not being paid as uh, nearly as well as men. And that includes crown corporations, municipalities, and oddly, 
universities. Yeah. Although the universities might be skewed because it's so it's so heavily influenced by UBC, which has a, a very large gender gap. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was I was kind of taken by by your newer story about education, this idea that you have a, a sector where the bulk of the teachers are women. And yet, despite that, there seems to be perhaps not necessarily as much upward mobility for women because the bulk of the the bosses in the education sector are men and presumably the the bulk of the higher salary earners are are men do we have a sense of as to why that is in the education sector no why is an excellent question i mean we have three female superintendents in the quite large metro vancouver region that has multiple multiple school boards um and you know, when I interviewed the BC Human Rights Commissioner for the story, you know, she said, what kind of message is that sending to children? You know, these young, impressionable students that are coming through the system that um, we have so many men running school boards. We'll be right back. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. And when it comes to other sectors, like you mentioned that Crown Corporations, I think in, in your article you talk about when you look at the top 10 earners in each sector, when it came to Crown Corporations, it was just three women in the top 10, municipalities and universities, just one. What about when it comes to law enforcement? That feels like it's it's traditionally been a male-dominated field. And I know there's <laughs> I, I I know there's been some attempt to to get more women involved in, in law enforcement, but is that a sector that just seems to be lagging behind others in, in bringing more women into the ranks and then bringing more women from those ranks into the top ranks? In British Columbia, the RCMP polices a large portion of our province, but we do have 12 municipal police departments, mainly in our large cities like Victoria, Vancouver, Abbotsford, etc. And in those 12 municipal police departments, we have 35 chiefs or deputy chiefs, and only six of them are women. Um, and, and those six women are all deputy chiefs. So we have zero uh, female police chiefs in the entire province of British Columbia. And when I interviewed an expert for the story, uh, she did her master's thesis very recently on um, challenges for women to uh, be promoted in municipal police departments. And at the time she wrote her thesis in 2020, there were six female police chiefs in the entire country. And today there's only two. Four of those women have retired. Now, she is somewhat optimistic that 
she thinks five years down the road, things will improve because slowly but surely, police agencies are trying to diversify with women and, and people of visible minorities. And she does believe that there's signs of women and, and, and other marginalized groups being hired as inspectors, as superintendents, and that she does believe that progression is underway. But wow, has it taken a long time. And we, we should note that the VPD is one of the, if not the, it's probably the largest in the municipal areas. It's the one that really does best in terms of approaching approaching a more equitable balance of, of leadership, even especially when you consider superintendents. Like we didn't, we couldn't get all the data for at the superintendent level for every police department. But if you include that, VPD has a, a pretty robust mix of people. Many of the other departments are quite solidly, quite solidly white white men in the senior positions. Yeah, Vancouver Police actually it, it deserves credit for that. It has a higher percentage of women police officers. So across the country, twenty two percent of sworn officers are women. Um, and uh, but in Vancouver Police, it's close to thirty percent. And Nathan's right in that executive um, position category, which is superintendents and above, they're at parity. They're half women, which is. Um, which is amazing, and it also shows that it's possible to do. Now, you know, taking a, a broader look, kind of stepping back from some of the gender-specific data, I, I am curious, as I, I'm sure a lot of people are, when you when you start talking about how much, you know, bureaucrats are making and whatnot, is there a sector where where public sector workers are, are making more money by and large? And, and when it comes to the highest paid public servant in BC, who are we talking about here? There's three organizations that make up the bulk of the, the top 100 highest paid uh, public sector uh, employees in the province. It's um, University of British Columbia, Provincial Health Services Agency, and PowerX, the, the power, it's like a power, power trading corporation. They, they sell power, buy and sell power on, the, on behalf of the province. That's like, I don't know, Laura, what was it, like 80% of the, mm-hmm. they made up something like 80% of the top ones. So, at the PHSA, we're talking about people who are overseeing BC Children's Hospital or overseeing um, BC Cancer, cancer researchers, or other types of like pretty complex. I think one of the position titles has nuclear medicine in it. I don't remember exactly the title, but I'm like, okay, I don't know what that is, but probably, you probably earned that. <laughs> uh, and I think um, it was mentioned in one of the stories that was written. They were talking about how like these are doctors that can be there's a lot of money that they can make and that province just needs to pay them. They need to be paid a competitive wage to get the best people in, uh, in overseeing these. Uh, UBC uh, has, it's a lot to do with the Sauter school of business, a lot of staff and, and uh, professors and directors from the Sauter school of business. And they say, well, they're a competitive global research university and they need, they need good salaries to remain competitive on a, on a global stage. So the highest paid, uh, is a woman. She's the, basically the head of investment banking, investment investment management trust at UBC, which is effectively an investment banker, as far as I as far as I understand. Does that right, sound right, Lauren? Yeah, it does. And so we should note that in the previous ten editions of this public sector salary database, Nathan and uh, always included the um, investment. Management Corporation of British Columbia, which is the provincial government's uh, uh, investment bank, bank, banking arm. 
And, you know, those salaries just dominated all of the, you know, top 25 lists. And it was just, there was some argument to make that it wasn't really an apples to apples comparison to other public sector salary workers. So for the first year this year, Nathan did not include that data, which allowed us to, to, to honestly have a better look at, um, at public sector workers who weren't investment bankers and making, you know, that often six or seven figure salaries. But Don Gia, who is an investment banker for UBC, I mean, she stayed within the database. Um, and so that is why she she bubbled to the top this year. Looking, as you mentioned, Laurie, earlier, there there's some talk of trying to address some of the issues when it comes to gender and the pay gap and per, perhaps representation in, in the higher ranks in the BC public sector. What are people hoping for most or, or soonest? Is it is it pay equity legislation? Is it policies that would see more women take more senior jobs? And and how is the government planning to get there? So currently, the provincial government in British Columbia is talking, and, and emphasis on the word talking, about uh, pay transparency legislation, which would require um, public agencies to reveal the amount of money in a more user-friendly way, um, you know, reveal what, uh, what people are making. Um, because as Nathan said earlier, it's a bit arcane for members of the general public to find this information right now. So the transparency legislation will require public agencies to reveal, you know, salaries they pay to people and make it easier to see where that gender gap is. Advocates that I've spoken with for change say that a pay tra- transparency legislation just isn't enough. Um, you know, if, if one, as one of them said to me, if we were relying on the goodwill of the public service to eliminate this pay gap, you know, that hasn't worked so far. We need something with teeth. So, yes, advocates are pushing for pay equity legislation, which would ideally come with some kind of financial penalty if there was proof um, that an agency wasn't paying either women or people of visible minorities or members of other marginalized groups um, equally. And and provinces, as I say, like Ontario, has that kind of similar legislation. So, I mean, our provincial government is is starting to go down that road, but we're not there yet. Um, The other thing that advocates say is important right now is... um, Continuing to invest in things like uh, affordable and readily available childcare, you know, better supports for elderly parents. And, and these are, to the BC government's credit, these are areas that, that our current government has been working hard on. It's just there still is just a massive requirement for more child care. There's a massive requirement for more services for elderly folks here. And it's hard, I think, as the NDP government's working on that, it, there, there's still holes to fill. And so advocates are saying until those services are readily available and, and free up women to um, be able to pursue careers more aggressively that, um, you know, these gender pay gaps might exist for a while longer. Well, it's an, it's important work. I appreciate the time and effort that you put into it. Lori, Nathan, thanks for your time. Thank you very much. Thanks very much for having us. 10.3 is produced by Tyler Dawson, theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guests, Lori Culbert and Nathan Griffiths. More from them in this data analysis can be found at VancouverSun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.